Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater, and this week... I've invited one of my friends from Encouragement Cafe to join me at the table, somebody that maybe uh, you haven't heard of yet, but I know you will because she has written a book that is so vital in today's environment because we all at times feel left out and we feel like we don't fit. And so I want you to welcome to the Encouragement Cafe table, Michelle Wistoff, who wrote the book, Grafted In. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Luann. Thank you so much, sweetheart, for joining us today. And I want, first of all, for you to just give the gals that are sitting here with us an idea of what this book is about. Just kind of summarize it for me. But then I want to find out why. Why did you feel God calling you to write this book? The background story is that um, my husband and I have five children, four of them are adopted internationally. Um, And the last two children that we adopted, we adopted as older kids from Uganda, um, from traumatized backgrounds and and all that. Very difficult um, adoption all from from start to finish. Um, And the transition into our family was difficult as well. And... At some point during those early days, I was crying out to the Lord, why why can't they just get it? Why can't they understand how we love them and how they belong here and, and that sort of thing? And the Lord clearly said to me, you're just like them. <laughs> and I, and, you know, and I was like, I am not. And he said, yes, you are. Let me show you how. And so the book was born out of that process because um, the reality was as much as I have um, known God, walked with God, you know, really most of my life, I never really understood my relationship with the Father. I never understood the Father's love for me. Um, and that was something I was actually pursuing actively at the time and um, felt that he, what he had done is kind of put his finger on the pulse of the of the problem and um, through the raising of my children started to show me why I couldn't access that love either. What I hear you saying is probably something that many, many women sitting here with us probably have felt a, a time or two or maybe continually they feel like, okay, I'm checking off all the boxes, I'm doing the Bible studies, I'm working in the Sunday school classes, I'm, I'm doing all the things that a good little Christian girl should do, so why am, I, why am I feeling a little bit disconnected, and what is it that you discovered through this process, Michelle? Well, what I discovered, um, both as I said, through raising my children, but also through working with really hundreds of orphans in Uganda over the last 10 years, that there are what I see as four foundational conditions or like chambers of an orphan heart. And those are a soul loneliness, 
a, a sense of restlessness, a restless wandering, fear, and shame. And, uh, and unless those four elements are really identified and brought to the Lord for healing, that we will continue to function as orphans in our, in our daily lives and in, in our relationship with the Lord. Okay, so repeat those four chambers again, because I think that's fascinating that you, you separate this into like the four chambers of our heart. So mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. let's go through those one at a time and repeat them again because a lot of my gals here love to take notes. So I want to make sure they can do that as we walk through this process. Okay. Well, the first one is called soul loneliness, and that is that sort of nagging, aching, empty loneliness that you tend to feel even if you're in a crowd of people, even if you're in a good family, even if you have all your friends in place, but there's just a loneliness in there that never really goes away. The second one I call restless wandering, which is a little bit similar. It's more like just not ever feeling like you belong anywhere, like you can't settle. You're always pursuing something to take away the sort of emptiness that you're feeling. And the last two are shame and fear. And I think we... We all know what those things are. Mm-hmm. So sometimes God has to kind of tear down the structure that we've built and the way that we have built the faulty foundation so that he can rebuild it from the ground up the right way. As you uncovered this, I know that you went through some really dark and maybe what some folks would say just a depressing time in your life so when you were in that place what did you see as your glimmer of hope because I know there are some folks listening right now who are in that spot and they Mm -hmm. need to know that there is a light funny thing is is, is part of what gave me that glimmer of hope was realizing there was no further I could fall I was at the very, very, very bottom. Um, and I knew that, you know, basically I had two choices. I would, I would either end my life or I would fight for the life that I knew God wanted for me. And obviously I, I chose life. And I think because I had experienced all these losses at, at the time, we lost our church, we lost... Um, really all of our friends that were there and, and a whole bunch of things like that. And so because all of those had been removed, it was God and only God. Mm-hmm. And my husband and my kids, but really this was very a very personal journey. Uh, you know, no, nobody else was going to be able to do this for me. And so I don't really believe that God removed all those people and all those things, but, but he, he uses showed himself. Yeah. yeah, he showed himself as the only option. And, and really during that time, I, um, you know, I, I completely stopped watching television. I only read, um, I primarily read the Bible, but any, anything that would edify myself. And so I was just completely hungry for God's word and for God to speak to me. And that, you know, and he never fails to, mm-hmm. to be there when, when you do that. And so really the, the real hope is in that. And, and, one of the things that I found clearly is 
there is nothing else but that when you're in that dark place. Mm. Well, you know, anything else is just temporary. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what I just love that you just said, because I think that we get numb when we do just plop down in front of the television and we allow that to just become uh, that soothing, whatever, entertainment and something happens to our minds. So I love the fact that you totally disconnected from television mm-hmm. and you... And internet. Yeah. Internet as well. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, perfect. Because yeah. when you're really hungry and you're really thirsty, what you really want is just the basics, the, the bread and the water, the, the things that will bring you back to life. And that's what you went searching for. So I think it's key that you you put away those other things that are distractions so mm-hmm. that God can be the sole focus and you can really hear what he has to say to you. There are no right. other interruptions in your life. I love, love that. And I wish we could all really pay attention and do it. Lean into that because I think that was key in the beginning of your healing. Yeah, because we placate ourselves with those things and we use them. They're like, <laughs> it's like junk food for your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can feel filled up temporarily, but what, what they really end up doing, is, especially when you're in that dark place, I don't, you know, I think it's fun, fine to relax and that all kind of stuff. But if you're really in that really difficult, dark place, then that, that to me, only just kind of fosters that feeling of, of restlessness and mm-hmm. that loneliness and all of that kind of stuff. I love, uh, it's so true, so true. Okay, so now you got in and you dug into God's Word and you spent one-on-one time with Him. And then how did the rest of this start unfolding? Probably one of the biggest or most kind of critical turning points in that journey for me. I was... Um, you know, God kind of laid it out for me. You know, you write about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that way. And um, so I was reading and doing some research about the Father's love. Um, wrote a good deal um, in my book about the prodigal son and um, the Father's love displayed in that story. And then I wanted to move on to um, the Father's love in Hosea, um, in the story of Hosea, where he's pursuing Gomer mm-hmm. as a husband and there was just one moment in me writing this where I realized that the two what I believe is the two most intense loves that we experience between people here are parent for their child and a spouse for their their other spouse mm-hmm. and God's love as father and God's love as husband it, it creates that one perfect love that we cannot find in anyone else. Mm. And that was, I mean, it, I was typing out on my back patio and it just had me, it had me on the ground realizing that this was the perfect love that I had searched for my whole life and that God was right there ready to pour it into me. And he did. And that was my first experience of the father's love for me. Okay. So, what happened next on your journey? Once I had a, a good foundation in place, then began a process of 
removing some things and pouring other things in. Um, and one of one of my favorite stories that I wrote about the book, you know, true story, um, the house across the street from us um, had fallen into disrepair. Um, it was actually run by drug dealers for a time being, and they were kicked out. And the house stood there as this ugly eyesore for years, really. And one day, um, I don't know if the, the bank or whoever, they, they came to knock it down. And it was fascinating to watch this and because they were pulling uh, with a, you know, backhoe and whatever else those machines are called. They were pulling out things out of the house that you never see when the building is demolished. It's like sheets and bed, bed frame and all that kind of stuff. And they finished the house and finished demolishing it. And the house had a stone foundation. And I thought, what are they going to do with that? And they backfilled it and they buried it. And I said to myself, well, how are you going to build an, a new house on an old foundation? Mm. And then it just clicked mm. with the Lord, what he had accomplished. And I thought about the, the parallels of, of the things that you need to remove out of your life that don't are not serving you. Um, and so the Lord started to speak to me about strongholds and lies, you know, things that I had known about already, but, but because of the process that came before it, there was like a new clarity about how to do those things. Isn't that amazing how God's Word does become more clear as we go through different changes and different circumstances in our life? And I agree with you, God doesn't create the bad things that happen to us, but he does uh, use them to change us from the inside out and to help us see him more clearly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he really has been showing me, really ongoing since then, um, he's given me the ability to draw parallels between things I experience just in my everyday life and my relationship with him. Um, you know, and so the process kind of continued with, um, you know, the Lord just wooing me. Um, he prompted me at one point to put together a, you know, and maybe you're a teenager, you dating, you had a, uh, like a mixtape for your, mm-hmm. for your boyfriend or whatever. And he had me put together a playlist of love songs from him to me and I would play those every single day and that sounds super corny this is not my sort of normal MO but I was really willing to do anything that it took Um, you know I travel a lot and so I have a playlist that's called traveling music so when I am in the car or you know on my way somewhere I can plug in my headphones and I know that I'm going to hear the things that will remind me of why I go and what I do and and just kind of redirect my my thoughts so that I don't get sidetracked because it's in those times when we're not paying attention that we can just kind of get off track so I love the playlist idea good good yeah. good <laughs> thank you I, and I you know part of the the design of the book was really that that second half is full of ideas like that um, you know, obviously, this is a very personal journey for me, but it's, it's not—it's not only for me. I, I really, truly believe that a good number of, of even you know faithful, long-term Christians experience this kind of stuff. And sometimes you just don't 
know what to do unless you have some kind of inspiration. And um, there are a lot of illustrations and parallels and suggestions of things to to do and try. Um, it really leads you through a process, start to finish. And that's obviously that's go at your own speed. Um, but I, it works. <laughs> it does work. And so tell yeah. me how... Did you come up with a name for the book? Um, I had the name for the book before I ever knew what the book was going to be about. What? I knew that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I've always wanted to write a book about adoption because I'm passionate mm. about it mm-hmm. um, and love the um, illustration in Romans that Paul gives about um, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, about grafting the wild uh, olive branches into the cultivated olive tree. Um, and that's, that grafted in um, analogy has, is used widely in adoption circles, whether or not um, you know, people realize that it's biblical. But you talk about your family tree. You know, that's it's a, a, even for adopted children, that's that's an, a, sort of an assignment that you as a parent sometimes get, work through your child with and, you know, show them how their branch is now part of your tree, but they have their own little offshoots for their, you know, biological families and all that kind of stuff. And so the grafted in um, part of the title or the main title, that was way predated the, the writing of the book, but the certainly the subtitle was was um, right in the moment. Whether we've known Jesus for one day or 100 years, we often get into this rut of the head knowledge part of the relationship mm-hmm. where we've, we've learned and we think that we know it, so we just kind of do it out of, out of habit. We do the right things and we try to make the right choices out of habit. And we forget that a relationship is built on, on communication. And the way right. that Jesus and God communicate with us is through his word and through the, the prayers that we pray. And so how did that piece of this entire process really become your aha? Like, okay, I, I'm now moving from that restless wandering heart to now I understand what this relationship is supposed to be about um well some of it was like what you just said just habit you know cultivating new habits um that you can you can really um lay lay down new neural pathways in your brain Mm -hmm. by uh repeating to yourself truths, um, good habits, good good behaviors, good ways of thought. Uh, so when we are going for this grafted in relationship, what is our role in the whole process? I mean, I know that your book spells out some specific steps to take and some things to look at, but we have a role to play when we are a child of God, and we are accepting what He has offered. 
Yes, absolutely. Although I, you know, waiting on the Lord is certainly, uh, you know, something that we need to do as, as children of God. There are, like you said, there are roles that we have to play and there are, a relationship takes two people and the father can, and, and this, this is, this is where I began with my kids. I mean, you can lavish your love on your children all day long, but unless they are willing to receive it and willing to do the things that it takes in order to be able to receive it, they're not going to get it. And, mm. and, and we're not going to get it either. That there is a pursuing, it's not a striving, but there's a, an active participation on our part. Um, spending time with the Lord, you know, not just praying and laying out your your concerns and your, your requests, but, but inviting Him to speak to you, inviting Him to love you, um, all of those things. I mean, we, we can't just sit and wait for it to happen. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, I, and I want you to hear from Michelle's heart how this process worked in her own life. And so what I want you to do is write this down. Write down the name of her book. It's called Grafted In, Leading Your Orphan Heart to the Spirit of Adoption. And I want you to write it down because I want you to go get this book. And it's a great Christmas gift because how many people are just going through the motions? And they need to know how to settle their restless heart and how to develop that relationship with Jesus. And right here today, Michelle can tell you that her life is totally different than mm-hmm. it was before the writing of this book. Michelle, yeah. would you agree with that? I absolutely agree. And that is not to say I've arrived. You know, there's still, still things I struggle with, but I operate completely different than I did a few years ago and that continues to evolve in a better and better and better way I mean I cannot stress how radically different my life is and and I have so much excitement and hope for people not not just to read my book but use it to to start a conversation with the Lord have your own journey have your own grafting in process and that's the thing. A lot of folks don't know where to begin. This is a great starting point for you and for someone in your life. So right now, Michelle, tell them where they can find your book. You can find my book on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Um, and if you really want to, I also have a companion devotional called New Life Renewed Heart. Um, it's inspired by the book. It follows the book pretty well and themes and all of that. Um, It's good to work alongside it. Okay, well, thank you, Michelle, for joining us around the Encouragement Cafe table today. Michelle is uh, a sweet, wonderful friend that is, I've seen from firsthand experience, is the real deal. And so I would love for you to just find some people in your life that need some encouragement on how they can settle their restless soul Get the Grafted In book today, and may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation 
Hop online, when you get a chance to sit down and breathe, at encouragementcafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time. Hey, next time you're feeling alone or maybe a little bit lonely, maybe you're feeling left out of the crowd, we want you to know you're always welcome in Encouragement Cafe. You can pull up a chair at encouragementcafe.com.